I did um, kind of mailbox running where <laughs> you run to the next mailbox and I graduated from mailbox running to song running. This one's radio episode 596 starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we get started today, today's episode of the show is brought to you by the book. The book. Uh, Be Ready on Race Day is the book that I wrote uh, you know, a few months ago. It finally came out. It's, it's been a long process. Those of you that have been around for a while, you know that. We've, we've talked about it before, but it's finally here. And uh, if you haven't grabbed a copy of it yet, basically what, what the book is designed to do is help you write your own training plan. So maybe that's taking one of those one-size-fits-all uh, frameworks and tweak it and customize it and making it your own. Maybe that means starting from scratch and completely building your own thing. But uh, you know where I stand when it comes to one-size-fits-all training plans. I don't think that they are as effective as having something that's made for you. So if, if for whatever reason, working with a coach isn't your thing, doesn't fit in the budget, something you don't want to do, that level of commitment isn't, isn't uh, where you are right now, no worries. The book, Be Ready on Race Day, can help you kind of bridge that gap and, and have you know a, a better training program, a better training protocol to help you get to the starting line, ready to go, crush your goals on race day. So if you're looking forward to a fall race, you know, coming up in uh, a few months and uh, kind of need a little help with your training, check out be ready on race day.com or just go to the Amazon location near you and uh, type in be ready on race day and it's available on Kindle and on uh, paperback. So uh, options galore. If you if you want to, uh, to grab a book, help out the cause and hopefully help yourself out as well when it comes to preparing for your races. So uh, without any further ado, let's go ahead and uh, dive in now to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, uh, today is one of those days where my guest is someone that I probably should have had on the show a couple of uh, hundred episodes ago, but for whatever for whatever reason, I simply didn't extend the invitation until just recently. Uh, she's worn a variety of hats over the time that I've known her, uh, and and from you know all areas, professional this, that, and the other. Um, and and the titles that have been con- constant though are wife, mom, runner, and Disney lover. Uh, but she recently the, the 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 most intriguing I think hat that she added to her list, her title to her resume is YouTuber, which uh, certainly we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But uh, needless to say, we have no shortage of places that we can go with our conversation, and uh, I'm excited to get it started to and uh, finally be able to welcome Miss Jen LaForge to the show. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Jen. Really appreciate you taking the time and uh, looking forward to it for sure. Thanks, Denny. I'm so excited to be here. Love it. Love the show. Love you. Couldn't be happier to be spending some time with you today. Yeah, and, and actually planned for it this time because the last time we spent some time together, it was a, it was a drive by. You were you were running a race, and I was cheering. I had no idea you were coming. You're like, "Hey, it's Jen LaForge. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, hey!" And then we took a picture, and you were gone. But uh, anyway, yeah, guys- and and I think I hugged you, and I think I was disgustingly sweaty. So apologies for that. But hey. if you're going to cheer at a Florida Disney race, that's exactly. what you got to expect, right? I, I think I was I was disgusting just from watching. So you know, we we, <laughs> we just swapped disgusting, and, and you were on your way. But uh, we, we we may or may not get to that again. But uh, as as I said, it's it's nice to to have a, a planned chat longer than just a couple of of words while you were passing by. And, and uh, guys, if you want to check out more of what Jen's got going on, uh, her blog, website, videos, all that good stuff, Jen 
jenneflefleur.com is the, uh, the, the home base. Uh, and that's J-E-N-L-E-F-F-O-R-G-E.com. Twitter and Instagram, if you're not connected with her there already, you can go ahead and do so. Handle is the same, just her name, at Jen LaForge. And on the YouTube, again, just look for Jen LaForge. It's a little bit, the, the link is a little bit more complicated because that's how YouTube does things. But uh, we'll make sure we have it linked up in the show notes as well. But if you search Jen LaForge on YouTube or Jen LaForge YouTube channel, uh, it'll pop right up and it is blowing up. So get get on board, get on board. Uh, and we have, like I said, we have the, the YouTube linked up in the show notes, some videos, probably photos, social medias, the, all, the, all the things, disruns.com slash five nine six so jen the way we always uh start off the show is with the same question for everybody simple question sometimes simple to answer sometimes not so much but it's just a fun place to start and that's to simply ask what is your favorite distance to race and why so my favorite distance to race without any question is the half marathon i love a good 13.1 miles I feel like the marathons that I've done, number one, I'm not very good at running marathons and they take over your life. And, you know, a half marathon, just training for a half marathon is really what I should be running on a weekly basis anyway. So my goal is kind of always be half ready, right? So if, if a half marathon comes up that I think is interesting and it's two, three weeks away, no problem. I can just go out and run it. Um, I like to be training for a half marathon, I would say probably 70% of the year because it gets me out the door. I've, I've run one half marathon not trained and um, once was enough. <laughs> so if I, if I have it, if, if I'm going to show up for a race, I'm going to be trained mm -hmm. and I need to run. So if I have a race on the calendar, I'm going to do the training and I'm going to do the running. So it all kind of works together for me. So definitely the half marathon. Gotcha. Yeah. That's, that's a, a common answer for, for a lot of common reasons. But in that, in that answer there, I have to ask if, if you tend to like to be training for a half marathon to kind of keep, keep the mojo up, keep the, the long run distance up to where you're ready to go. How many races about does that usually end up averaging out to you for uh, any given year? Um, anywhere from three to I think the most I ever did in a year was six. And that was stupid. That was because <laughs> I for a long time, I used to say you might as well get two races out of every training cycle. Because if I'm going to do the run anyway, right, I might as well schedule another one for a month later. And then I can avoid especially for marathons, because then I can now hear me. There's all kinds of uh, biomechanical reasons why this is a terrible idea. But um, I, I'm like, I've done all that work. So why not get two races out of a 20 mile long run instead mm -hmm. of just one? So um, but typically it's two to three a year. Uh, right now I'm training for a 10 K I'm doing the Atlanta Peachtree road race. Oh. Um, you would like 30,000 of your other friends, right? I think it's 60,000 oh, of my other friends That's... and I, I'm a little terrified and I would like to put it out there right now. If I wake up race morning and it's like pouring down rain or it's going to be 98 and 98% humidity, I will be in my family room praying for everyone that is running the Peachtree Road Race. So no shame, full disclaimer. So if you're like, where's Jen? Why isn't she here? She is at home eating pancakes. So anyway, go. but still training. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes. That's, that's one of those races that I feel like the, the peach tree, um, like I'm always looking for a 10 K, but I don't know that that would be that. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, I know it's a, it's a historic race. It's, it's a big deal. It's 4th of July, which is, which is fun. But I mean, that's yeah. just, that's awfully crowded for a course that's quote unquote, only 6.2 miles long. It doesn't spread out that much in, in six miles. Like it does if you, I mean, 60,000 is a lot for a marathon and then you got 26 yeah. miles for it to spread out. 
I I don't know. Denny, I am doing this race under duress. It's going to be hot. It's going to be crowded. The logistics, I can't even wrap my brain around. The course is supposed to be horrible. But this is why you should not have a bunch of running friends on social media because Mm -hmm. they find out that you moved to the Atlanta area and they're like, what are you doing? You have to do the Peachtree Road Race. And part of me is like, do I have to? But no, evidently, no, you yes. don't. <laughs> no, no, they, they're telling me. I, I, I literally feel like I have no choice. So at least I'm signed up. And I figure race morning, if I don't do it, what are they going to do to me? You know, well, right. I shouldn't say that. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> now that they're all going to hear this too and be like, oh, oh, she, she was setting herself up to not do it before the race even started. Yeah, they're going to be outside my, my house honking the horn saying, we're leaving for the train station. Let's go. Let's go. So Let's go. anyway, I'm, I'm hoping that it will all be fantastic. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, for the most part, I feel like everybody that I've talked to has had a, a good experience. I yeah. just, I just, you know, like I said, to me, I don't think it's one of those. I think it's one, I think it's the type of race, at least from the, the exterior outside looking in that uh, is a race to run to experience it. Kind of like some of the Disney stuff where it's, it's right. you know, unless you're way up there in the front, there's no sense in trying to, to crush it. Just go out there, have a good time. Don't, you know, right. don't overheat. Don't worry about jockeying for position. Just, right. just run. Well, and I don't, I'm not the one who's trying to be in the front ever, mm-hmm. you know? So I, um, you know, I, I always say that I'm a mediocre runner, but I don't mean it in that I put forth mediocre effort. I put forth, I put my heart and soul into everything. And I was listening to a podcast recently. It might've been yours. It was yours, but I didn't want to say that where the guy that you were interviewing who shall remain nameless was making a point about back of the pack. And you know, the fun is in the back of the pack. And how do you know if you've never been in the front? And I kind of took umbrage a little bit because I was like, well, here's the thing. I put my heart and soul into every effort that I do. At the, at the end of the day, I'm not a genetically gifted runner, and my best effort is is not ever going to be in the front of the pack, mm-hmm. Denny, ever. Like, no, no matter how hard I train, no matter how much strength training I do, um, I'm a 48-year-old woman who didn't start running until I was 39, right? That, that's just not in the cards for me. But um, I think, I don't remember who said it, but they said, you know, Kara Goucher's level eight effort is exactly the same as my level eight effort. Right. Our speed isn't going to be the same. <laughs> our, our outcome isn't going to be the same. But that's my level eight. And it took me a really long time to wrap my brain around that, that I am just as legitimate as anybody else because mm-hmm. I go out there and put my heart and soul into it. So. Yeah, and that's that's a, a great topic to to maybe dive into for just a second because I, I feel like it's and in, in, you know love social media. Lo- I mean, it's love love the connections that, that I'm able to make. That's how obviously we got connected originally, and 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 so many folks that I've had on the show. Like that's that's where it's come from. But you know, one of the the the, the big downfalls that, as far as I see it from social media is that comparison game, and is that you know like like you know as as a coach, I'm always talking about running easy and and. I'll get some of my athletes where they're like, yeah, like, you know, I, I went out easy today, but I, I, I wanted to go out easy, but I was running with my group. And so I didn't want to slow them down. And, and so like I ended up picking up the pace and, and now all of a sudden that easy workout turned into not fast enough to be much use for fast, but certainly not slow enough to, or easy enough to be good for a recovery run or things like that. Um, and, and I, I think that that's part of that reason or part of the, the, the reason I like, liked your statement is that your eight is, is everybody else's eight. Your 10 is everybody else's 10. Just what that actually looks like on paper, what that looks like on the Garmin after the fact isn't the same, but that's, right. but that's, that's okay. And we all have to do the things that we need to do for ourselves, for our training, for our, our goals, whatever it might be. Um, and so I, I just love the way you put that, that, you know, you, 
you don't need to be at the front of the pack, but that doesn't mean you're not given an effort, the same effort as those that are at the front of the pack. Right, right, exactly. So I went for a, I don't know if you, do you know, Nicole DeBoom, she's the founder mm-hmm. of uh, Skirt Sports. And I was on, um, she's the only other podcast I've ever oh. been on. So you two are in good company. But um, I met her once for what was supposed to be a fun social run. And it was a group of runners that were way faster than me and Nicole DeBoom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to show up and I'm going to go on this three mile fun run. And they, of course, took off and left me in the dust. And Nicole hung back with me. And it was funny because they were all going to hang out with Nicole and impress her with what great runners they were. Mm-hmm. And she ran the entire three miles with me at like a 1030 pace. And we chatted about everything about life. And later on, she told me, you know, if you show up for a social run and you do that, it's kind of jerky. Like yeah. you, you, she's like, I'm not I don't need to get in another speed workout this week. I came to meet other runners. And so for me to watch them take off, I thought that's not really the spirit of what we're doing. If we're doing a social run, then let's have it be a social run. And it just said something to me about levels of um, athleticism and how running can be social regardless of where you are on that spectrum. Like you and I could go for a run and it would probably be my like moderately difficult pace. And it would be like, you'd be going, I could walk right now. But that doesn't mean that we still couldn't have a great time and have a conversation and enjoy that we're both athletes working toward the same goal. That's why I love running. Because guess what? I can't play tennis with Serena Williams. Right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I could go out and be like, hey, you know, I can't ask Tiger Woods if he'd like to go play a round of golf, but I could go for a run with you. So I think that's what's different about our sport and why I love it so much. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I mean, you're preaching to the choir about, about all the, 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 the good things about, about running. Uh, what, what got you started in the running game? I mean, like you said, you, you started, uh, you know, late thirties, uh, just yeah. over a decade ago now. Um, why, why'd you, uh, pick up the running shoes for the first time? So I, um, had had a really bad bout of postpartum depression after our twins were born. And after that period was over, depression just kind of kept sneaking in and people who deal with depression totally get this, but you could be having a great day and it is like someone took a baseball bat to your knees. It doesn't have to be that anything went wrong. It doesn't have to be that you're sad. And just all of a sudden, um, the fatigue and, you know, things like unloading the dishwasher feel like these Herculean, uh, tasks that you just, um, you just don't have any motivation or energy. And I was talking to my doctor about going on medication, which I, uh, for a lot of people that is the right answer. And I am always open to being the right answer for me. We were having those conversations and I had a friend who was a runner who said, why don't you try running every day for two weeks? And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I didn't even run. Now, I was a ballet dancer, which is athletic. Hear me. I mean, don't Mm -hmm. let anyone tell you that dancing is an athletic because it is. But cardiovascular exercise like running, I just was out. Like I was the girl on the track, you know, where the gym teacher is screaming, you girls got to get off the track. And why are you sauntering your way around? I think it took me, you know, 25 minutes to walk a mile. And uh, so I thought, okay, I really need to figure something out because this is not working. I don't have the energy I want for my life, for my husband, for my job, for my kids. Uh, so I did, I ran every day for two weeks. I did, um, kind of mailbox running where mm-hmm. <laughs> you run to the next mailbox. Right. And I graduated from mailbox running to song running where I would put on a playlist <laughs> and I'd run a song and walk a song. I didn't, I was doing Galloway. I didn't even know it at the time. Right. right. But that's what I was doing, um, to eventually, and it took me three months 
And I remember the day that I ran a mile without stopping. Like I remember the day I got married and the day I had my children mm. because I made it all the way around this loop in my neighborhood that was a mile and I didn't take one walk break. And I stood there and I cried like a baby because I couldn't believe number one, the change it had made in me kind of, um, emotionally. It had balanced me out so much. It helped me um, have time to think in a straight line. Um, you know, you've, you've got a young daughter, right? How old mm -hmm. is your daughter, Denny? She'll be uh, four as we're recording this in a couple of weeks. So yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm bowing down to you. So you get it. <laughs> um, when you have little kids, you, you literally do feel like you have monkeys in your brain all the time. Like there is not a moment in your day where you've got that kind of peace where you can think in a straight line and things come together. And that's what running did for me. Um, and so I went from running my first mile to running my first half marathon, not even seven months later. Wow. Um, and it just, I just kept going my first like official long run. We were in San Diego on vacation and I decided I wanted to run on a boardwalk. I was like, well, that sounds cool. I've never run on a boardwalk. I took off two hours later, my husband's calling me going, where are you? And I ran like 11 miles and I didn't even, I won't say I didn't know. It isn't that I didn't know I was running, but it was that flow where mm -hmm. it's just slow and easy and something in my brain got better. Right. Um, and so I've just been doing it ever since. And that was going on nine years ago, I think. And we've got, um, I've lost track of the half marathons. I think it's something like uh, two dozen, three dozen, um, and four full marathons. So it's been wow. a, it's been a good journey. Yeah, certainly. Um, y y a few things and, and we can go into the kind of mental health aspect as much or as, as little as you want. And, and we can be more generic, can be personal, however, whichever way you want to go with it. Um, but I'd be curious, um, you know, that was kind of the, the, the thing that got you started and, and certainly something that, that helped. I mean, you felt, if I heard you correctly, you felt better, with the mm -hmm. depression because of the running. Um, ha, do you almost feel like you have to keep running in order to, to help with help prevent the depression from coming back and, and help keep the, the mental health there? Um, and, and if so, does it ever feel like you're trapped? Cause, and I'll just throw this out there cause hopefully by the time this gets released, I won't be in this position anymore. But right now, um, I'm kind of taking a little bit of break from running. Uh, it's just like, mm -hmm. like the last couple of weeks, I just haven't looked forward to a run. You know, I'd, I'd get up in the morning to go out there and I'd like sit at the kitchen table, screwing around on, on, you know, candy crush for 30 minutes. And so then I'd only have 20 minutes left to get my run in, um, yeah. as opposed to the hour that I had planned. Um, and I just had no motivation to get out there. And I've, I've been here before and usually a week off, 10 days off, something like that, where I don't let myself run and then I'm good to go. And, and it's fine. And it doesn't, it doesn't something that bleeds over into other areas of my life. But, but I, I guess what, what I'm curious and what I'm asking is if you were in that, a typical or that, that type of a situation, would you have a problem taking the time off because of what it does for you mentally, even though the running isn't something that's in the best mental state for you right now, if that makes sense? Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And it's not that during that time I haven't had periods where I wasn't running. Mm -hmm. I would say if I'm not, I have to be active in some way. And I honestly think that's every human being, right. you know, when we're sedentary, we, something breaks, mm -hmm. we, we need to have a physical outlet. Um, I've definitely had periods. I don't, I think the longest I've gone in that period was about three months, um, without, um, any running at all. Mm -hmm. It was intentional. Um, it was the same thing that you're talking about. I was burned out and I did a lot of walking and hiking during that period of time. 
being outside, if I'm going to be honest, is as much of this process as the actual running itself. Um, the just the fresh air, the vitamin D. I think there's a whole bunch of of things that can, you know, it's a big pie and there's a whole bunch of things that contribute and the running is a big piece of it. But if I can at least get outside and, you know, I mean, I've been super blessed. I'm literally knocking on wood right now that I have not had any kind of a serious injury. Um, I haven't had, I, I've had some IT band things and stuff like that, but nothing that's taken me out of commission more than just backing up a little bit and doing a little bit of physical therapy. And then I'm back in the saddle again. But I recently took up swimming a little more seriously because I realize I have an almost 50 year old body. And as much as I don't want to admit it, my recovery times are longer. I can't do a 10 mile run and then two days later go out and do a six mile run. My body just doesn't want to do that anymore. And it's really frustrating, right? And you're not here yet, Denny, <laughs> but my brain still is, especially since I started so late, I'm like, that's not fair. Like I didn't even start till I was 39 and I'm already like I'm, I peaked and now I'm just trying to maintain um, however, since running for me is not the point, the point is the base to fuel the rest of my life. Mm. I'm trying to work on other things that I can do like swimming, like biking, like hiking that will fill that void for me and allow me to be balanced, if that makes sense. So do I feel, I never really feel trapped by running, I guess, because it has been such a gift giver to me. Mm. Um, and again, probably because I waited so long, if I'm going to be honest, I mean, my friends that started when they were 18 and they've been running this whole time, I'm like, I feel like a baby runner. Like yeah. I'm just starting to get my, my sea legs. So I think that has a lot to do with it. But, um, I think you have to have, I don't like hearing when I, and you hear these stories all the time, right? A runner gets injured and they not only put on 30, 40 pounds, they feel horrible about themselves. They feel horrible about their lives. Because being a runner was where they got their identity and where they got all of their spiritual, emotional, and physical balance. That's not what I'm talking about. I think that's actually a, a big danger sign to where you could be going into where you're having more of an addiction to running right. instead of using it as an outlet and as a um, balance to fuel the rest of your life. Does that make sense? Yeah, abs absolutely. And, and it's it, it makes perfect sense. And yet it, it sounds like the uh, one of the slipperiest of slopes for, uh, for some people, yes. depending on the personality, <laughs> depending on, on, on who you are and, and your goals. But uh, it'd be a really could be a really fine line to walk between those two those two ends. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think everybody's different. Mm -hmm. um, I am very open about my mental health issues. I encourage everybody to have a quality counselor. I feel like having a good therapist is as important as having a good doctor or a good dentist. And if you don't need one right now, go ahead and get one that you like because there will come a time when you need one, and it will either be to deal with grief or to, like if you're a runner dealing with balance and, and I have an injury and I don't know how to do that. It could be with parenting. You know, Scott and I will go to our therapist when we have issues with our our teenagers because mm -hmm. we don't agree on the best thing to do. And so to go to her office and sit there and having that objective person that we trust, I credit that with the success of our marriage. So not just for runners, for everybody. I, I talk a lot about having my tribe, like my chiropractor and my massage mm -hmm. therapist and, and that. My therapist is in that group um, of professionals that I trust and value to kind of keep this show going. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it takes a village and, and it, it doesn't stop when you, when you stop being a child anymore. Like, like, that's right. You know, it's, it's, and, and it, I almost am, am cringing to say that because I, I am the, the introverts introvert. And I'm like, just, you know, just everybody just leave me alone. Like I'll take care of things. I'm fine. Um, but yeah, there's, there's something about having 
that interaction. And like you said, somebody that you trust and, and, you know, not waiting until you need it, you know, like, like, um, and, and you could, you could draw that metaphor out a dozen places. Like, I mean, I feel like my mechanic, you know, to- totally yeah. different subject, but the same thing, like, like, I don't want to be in a situation where it's like, Oh crap. Like, like my car isn't working. Who am I going to call? Like, I know who I'm going to call. And right. I know, I know to call him when it's not that bad yet, because he's good. He does good work. He's going to solve the problem before it becomes a bigger problem. And same thing, therapist, same thing, doctor, dentist, all, all those types of things where, where, yeah, having, having those, that, that panel of experts around you, uh, that you can rely on is, is big, is is a big deal for sure. Um, you know, again, something that you mentioned, and as per usual, there's always something that, that I hear and it's like, all right, a few minutes later, we'll get back to that. Um, you know, you said that as you've, as you've gotten, gotten older, um, and, and, and kind of the frustration of, you feel like you're finally figuring out this running thing, but now your body is starting to, is not the same, obviously, as it was 10 years ago when you, when you were still new to the sport. Um, what kind of things have you, have you discovered work for you as far as, you know, as, as your body changes, um, the recovery, things like that? Because I know there's a lot of folks listening, um, that are in that same type of boat that, that are still new ish to running. They're maybe late thirties, early forties, somewhere, somewhere, basically probably right about where you were eight, nine, 10 oh. years ago. Um, what kind of things that maybe you've learned the hard way that, that you can, and, and like you also said, I'm not quite there to where I can share these lessons yet. Um, what, what can we, can we give some of those folks that say, all right, here's some things that you might want to keep in mind so that when you are pushing 50, um, your body's still going to be strong and you're still going to be able to run and do the things that you want to, to continue to do, assuming that that's something that's one of their goals. Yeah. So, um, I think I can have my husband's permission in sharing his story, which is really a story of what not to do. Uh, he and I started running around the same time. Um, the difference was he went out and, uh, just trained for the goofy in like three months. So he did a half marathon on Saturday and a full marathon on Sunday. And after he trained and ran goofy, he didn't run ever again. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I think this is actually, and I never like to say gender specific things. However, I think men are more prone to this than women especially if they ran a back in the day and now it's been a minute and they decide they want to get back into running, they have this expectation that their bodies are going to respond the way that they did when they were 25. And so they go out with that intention. They get injured, they get burned out, and they never run again. So my number one tip is to set the bar as low as humanly possible and then set it even lower than that and exceed your own expectations, right? Um, You cannot as an over 45 runner, be a weekend warrior. You cannot go out and put down, you know, there are some sports, I think that you can do that as as an over 45 human being, and it's a little more forgiving, you'll be sore, but you'll be okay. Mm -hmm. You try to do that as a runner, you absolutely will get injured. It isn't a matter of if it's when. So I think um, one of the the, I'm very open about my paces, because I think, mediocre middle-aged runners need to be more open about that to set realistic expectations. For me, an 1130 pace for an easy run, that is exactly where I should be. Today, you know, it was humid. I was at 13 minutes per mile and I am so 100. In fact, I was trying not to be over 1230 because it was super warm, super humid. You know, those kinds of things are going to affect you more. Weather is going to affect you way more. Um, When you go out and do a really big effort, one thing that I learned was you know, most training plans, including yours, when you are doing a half marathon, your uh, training plan, you're going to increase your mileage every week. 
I can't do that anymore. So I might do a six mile long run, then back off to four. And then I'm the next week, I'm going to do an eight mile long run, then I'm going to back off to five. Right. It's sort of this three steps forward, two steps back mentality. Um, my body really needs two weeks to recover from a good solid long run. And that was a huge learning curve for me because I it's it's hard to do that and feel like you're not digressing in your training. Um, but once I started doing it, uh, and, and there's, you know, there's plans that certainly have cutback weeks, but mm -hmm. there's not a lot of plans where you're only increasing every other week. Right. But over 45, I have found that is the number one key. Now, what that means is if you're going to train for a half marathon, it can't be a six-week training plan, right? right. It's going to have to be more like a 12 or even a 16-week training plan to get you where you want to go. So you're actually putting in a lot more mileage than a younger runner might but you're going to feel a lot better when you hit those longer runs. So set low expectations, cater your training plan. I would say work with a coach. I think that most training plans, unfortunately, are really geared for the 25 to 35 year old. Um, and that's not anybody's fault. That's mm -hmm. who's out there, right? That's who's doing. <laughs> I am quickly moving into the minority with runners right. because you know, once I hit 50, the field goes way down. Oh my gosh, I was so excited when I moved to my next age range. I was gonna say, yeah, you're, you're gonna be set up for age group wins now. <laughs> yeah, it's like if I keep my same uh, marathon uh, PR, when I'm 80, I'm gonna qualify for Boston. So, you, you know. You and me both. I, you and me both, sister. <laughs> <laughs> this is a wait out the clock situation, mm -hmm. Denny. We just gotta keep going till the end. But um, so, yeah, I would say working with a coach, especially if you're just starting. Um, a coach that has experience with working with older runners because um, he or she is going to be able to really listen to you. And, you know, the best coach I ever had, she would ask me, okay, every week before she would send me the next week's training plan, we would have a meeting where we would chat about where I was. Mm -hmm. And then she would send me the next week. So she was always catering to kind of how my body was responding to any given run. And I think that is hugely important if you are over 45. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, I would almost push back and say, I think that's important for anybody. Um, yeah. because even if, even if you're, you're younger and, and you, you're feeling fit and your body feels like it responds, but like, you know, depending on work stress or life stress, you may need a cutback week that, that, you know, wouldn't quote unquote show up, you know, it, right. it, 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 according to the plan, it, it wouldn't be a, a time that you would need it because last week wasn't that crazy week but it but that doesn't take into account the fact that the kids were sick and and you, your whole schedule got readjusted so um i i do like that idea of of really consistently checking in checking in with your body if you have a coach checking in with the coach like here's where i'm at here's what i'm feel, feeling and and adjusting accordingly because yeah as as everybody that listens to the show knows i'm not a fan of those one size fits all things where it's just like just no. just plug yourself in at, at uh, you know 16 weeks out from the race and you'll be ready to go like yeah that's that, that, at best, that's a loose framework, but but you need to do some right. some whittling down and some some uh, you know tweaking that as as you go. Um, so again, so, so many different ways that I, I could go, and, and it's certainly some things that I, I still want to get to. Um, but but with this with this training in mind of of the idea of uh, you know three steps forward, maybe a couple steps back to to kind of listening to your body and, and, and adjusting um, accordingly. I guess that just kind of leads into to what you said earlier about the the value of staying in, in at least half marathon shape at all all times because then there's never that much quote unquote work that you need to do to get to to your body to where you're ready to maybe not run your your best thirteen point one but where you can do it be fine no big deal because you're kind of always staying at that level. 
Yeah, I, I definitely think um, your base is, and I should have said this initially because that is an excellent point. You have to have a solid base, and it it could take you a year to get to that point um, where you're ready for for whatever race you're training for or whatever. I think. Um, the emphasis now, it depends on your objectives, right? right? I'm, I'm making a huge assumption here that someone who is 42, for example, and is starting to run for the first time is not doing it just to run a particular race and then be done. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that your maturity at that point says, I kind of want to be a runner. So I always say I run like a little old lady because I want to keep running until I'm a little old lady, right? right? So if, if your objective is, I just want to do this one 5k and I don't ever want to run again. Okay. That's a whole different mentality. But if your objective is to run, you know, you, you now here's because of my pace, you may not hang out with these people like I do, but it is not a, um, unusual for me to be running a half marathon alongside a 65 year old, a 75 year old, one time an 85 year old. And you watch there from behind. A lot of the times these people look like they're 45 or 50 years old. It's not until you get up next to them and you look in their face and you start chatting that you realize they're way older than they seem, and it's because of what running does for you. It's because it increases that cell regeneration and all of those things that, that make us age. So if you're going into it saying, my goal is to be a runner, um, not just run a race, because that's two totally different mm -hmm. things, then build that base as slow as humanly possible and just keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. And it's that proficiency thing. And the other benefit of that is, especially if you're completely new to running like I am, you still have a lot to work out by way of form and and just kind of how your body moves, what kind of shoes work best for you. Um, I wear a minimalist shoe. That's not right for everybody. Mm -hmm. That could take you a minute to figure right. all of that out. So um, I think you have to look at it as a long-term investment in your overall health and understand that it's going to take a long time. But if you're in it for the long run, there is no reason why anybody whose legs and heart work cannot become a runner. I don't care what age they are. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And, and uh, you know, it's it's never too late because I get that every once in a while where it's like, oh, you know, it's it's too late for me to get started. And it's like, nah, like, you know, you're still you're still breathing, right? You're still you're still above right. ground. Uh, you know, start, start moving. And, and like you said, take it slow, take it easy and, and just keep, keep, keep going. And, and yeah. as, as far as fast as, as, as you want to go. Um, and you know, I want to add one thing on yeah. that. Things are going to hurt. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so especially when you first wake up in the morning, I, I, it, it I, again, you're not here yet. You're going to wake up one morning and you're going to be like, why does everything hurt? Am I dying? <laughs> and it's going to take 5, 10, 15 minutes before things to sort of loosen up and mm. not hurt anymore. Um, if you, especially as you age, if you stop moving because it hurts, that's the beginning of the end. Right. Like, and I'm not talking pain that changes form. I'm not talking pain that is like a knife in, in your leg or anything like that. I'm talking just general aches and pains are going to increase as you age. So, you know, I watched my mother-in-law once things start started to hurt, she just stopped moving right. and she was dead within five years because you can't, you can't stop moving. So even when it hurts, get the help that you need, get the physical therapist, whatever doctor you need, whatever, but understand that that's part of the human body aging process. None of us like it, but it is what it is. So expectations. Yeah. And, and going back to what you said earlier, I mean, it's, you know, the movement being as, as much important for your mental health as, as the act of actual running, like, like Absolutely. you said, I mean, we're, we're made to, 
we're made to move. We're not, you know, as, as again, as great as technology might be, we're not made to just park it in front of the computer, editing podcasts or videos or watching TV right. or whatever the case might be all day. Um, so speaking of, of editing podcasts and videos, uh, YouTube, YouTube channel, um, again, maybe something where quote unquote, stereotypically, not the, not the average age when somebody dives into YouTube and starts creating, <laughs> creating all kinds of videos. Uh, probably not the demographic that most how to start YouTube videos are, are created for. Um, what was, what was the impetus to, uh, to go, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do YouTube. I'm going to, I'm going to play around yeah. with YouTube and see what happens. So that's hilarious. I was on a, uh, a like a YouTube live for YouTubers and people were like commenting and it, it's like dawning on me how what a fish out of water I am. <laughs> um, I was like, I was just floored because they're all like gaming YouTubers, Denny, and they're all like 18 years old. And I'm like, hi, I'm the almost 50 year old sitting here <laughs> trying to produce YouTube. So I kind of, you and I have a similar story this way. I, you know, the blog I've been doing forever for, I think eight years I've been blogging and it never really blogs have kind of lost. People just aren't reading them anymore. You've experienced the same thing. It's ebbed and flowed. Um, but, and I have some very faithful readers, but I just wasn't reaching the audience that I wanted to, particularly when I start talking about women and depression and running and all of that sort of thing. And I had a really good friend that was like, you would kill it on the YouTube. And I was like, I'm not going to do a YouTube channel. I would feel like a complete moron. That's ridiculous. And of course, when you tell me my, let's see, when I say to myself, there's no way you could do that. The next sentence usually is, so I guess I have to do that because I've created this thing where I think it's something that I can't do. So I got a good camera. I found a place in my house that had decent light. And I just started talking to myself. And I thought, well, if it doesn't go anywhere, at least I'm giving a, an example to my kids of sometimes you go out and do things just for fun. And if they work great, and if they don't, that's okay, too. You know, nothing ventured, nothing gained, we'll keep moving forward, sort of expected to be a failure. Like I kind of <laughs> thought I would maybe get 100 subscribers, but I would have fun along the way. And uh content just sort of started clicking. I have my one channel. I'm actually thinking of starting another channel. It's in the hopper right now. It's called the middle-aged mediocre runner. And I'm actually thinking what I want to do with that channel. Um, so there's the kind of a gap, right? We have like really extreme elite runners and we have beginners mm -hmm. and then there's all the rest of us. And sometimes I feel like we get missed. Um, and people think, Oh, it's either for elites or it's for beginners, but there's a whole bunch of us that are intermediates that kind of, I don't feel like get a seat at the table. You know, right. we, we're not in the magazines. We're not, um, interviewed on things, whatever. So if, if that takes off, what I want to do is start interviewing just normal people, you know, that, that, um, get up every day and run two or three miles, or they do it three to four times a week. I don't want anybody that has any, any name behind them or anything, just like the heart of who is out there running the miles. So I don't know if I'm going to do it or not. I keep looking, like I've got the channel all set up. I keep looking at it, but, um, anyway, it's just fun. And I'm taking it a day at a time. Every morning I wake up and I see that subscriber number going up and I'm trying not to panic because I'm like, <laughs> okay, this is turning into more than I thought it was going to be. But, um, if I can reach people and I can tell stories and I can have fun, then I'll just keep doing it. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, taken off. It's, it's, I mean, you know, as, as we're recording this, I, I feel like you're at something over 1400. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I wouldn't be surprised cause we've got a little, uh, about a month before this will go out. It, it'd be doubled or more 
by by that time at, at the rate that things are going. Um, you know, like you said, kind of a, a little bit. You, you wake up and it's a little bit uh, almost nerve wracking that it's growing so much. Does does that, you know, what started out as a fun experiment, basically, if if, if I'm hearing you correctly, is turn into more? Does that does that change it for you? So yeah, that's really a timely question because yesterday I was on the phone. You know, now all of a sudden I'm talking to advertisers and I'm talking to vendors and. It isn't that I'm opposed to it turning into a job, but yesterday it definitely felt like a job. Um, you know, I've, I've had a 25 year career, so it's not like I don't know what that, mm -hmm. I know the difference between doing something for fun and it turning into a job. And there was a couple moments yesterday. I was like, this is feeling like a lot of work. Um, but it's, um, the experiences I'm getting to have with the subscribers, I, I had an email last week from a girl who's 25. She's um, had a lot of problems with depression. And she reached out to tell me how watching the video I did about running and depression, and there hasn't been that much running content. Most of it's been Disney related. So that's, I've been trying to do more mm -hmm. um, running content, but how it, she saw herself in me and how it made her, um, have a lot more um, freedom in talking about it and in getting help. And what we've seen in the news lately, right? I mean, the my demographic, our um, incidence of suicide is up 80%. Mm -hmm. And I'm not okay with that number. And right. so I feel like, yes, it's fun for me. Yes, I'm okay if, if I end up being able to, you know, have some money to fund my Disney habit. because <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. But the main objective is if I can reach out to people and let them know that depression and mental health issues look like me and look like them and make them feel like it's okay for them to reach out and get help, the rest of it doesn't even matter. Like right. that, even with the blog, that was always my primary objective because I was there as that woman that felt like if anybody really knew what was going on with me, they would not love me anymore. And that's a very dark place to be. And so if that is, is what comes out of it, the rest of it is like icing. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Like the cake of it is if I can reach out to that man or woman that is not being honest with themselves or with the people they love about the state of their mental health, then I'll do this all day long. Right. I'll, I'll work 15 hours a day if that's what that means. Except for when I'm at Disney, I'm not going to work when I'm at Disney. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Every, everybody needs a chance to unplug a little bit once in a while and there's no better, right, right. no better place to do that. Um, but, but, you know, speaking, speaking on that a little bit more, um, and especially since, like you said, and, and it doesn't take much probing around your channel to figure out that most of your, your content there is Disney related, something that you enjoy, something that, 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 you know, you're passionate about, you, you, visit, visit often, run the races, all those types of things. Um, I feel like, you know, Disney is, I mean, Disney's the happiest place on earth. There's no, you know, it's not a place where people are, are Disney fans and they also struggle with, with depression and, and things like that. Um, you know, and it's kind of feeds into that whole depression thing is in that it's something that is, is silent and doesn't, doesn't show on the outside very often. So it's it, you know, a lot of people struggle with it and nobody else in their circles knows about it. Um, and so I almost wonder, and I don't know if this is a question or just kind of something to throw out there and if, if, if it lands great and if not, no big deal, but being open about your struggles a bit and doing that in a, in a forum where Disney's at least a, a, a bit of, of in the background at all times or something that even is sometimes is, is the, or more, more often than not is the focus of your videos where other people are going, yeah, like I love Disney, but I suffer, suffer with depression too, but I, I got to be the only one because Disney's happy. Um, if that almost makes it more of a vehicle to reach those people and say, Hey, like you're not alone, 
like it's it's not like it's 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 okay there's resources and and you know like you said you can even reach more people that way because of the angle you're coming at it from as opposed to you know beat depression this way you know and i don't mean to to glamorize that but just you know you're coming at it kind of from the side door which makes people maybe a little bit less defensive and and more open to reaching out to you and getting some help and things like that yeah no you're 100 percent correct and the reality is a lot of people are obsessed with disney because they're numbing right Mm. I mean, let's, let's call it what it is. I mean, you can use, um, escape to vacation and to fantasy to not deal with what's really going on in your life. And I think that's true of anything that people are passionate about, whether it's sports or whether it's Disney or whether, you know, politics, you know, whatever your thing is, we oftentimes throw ourselves into that in order to not have to deal with what's really going on in our lives. Now, I'm all about a little bit of selective numbing. I am. <laughs> um, I, I think that, you know, escaping is a is a good thing, kind of putting on the pause button and saying, I just can't watch the news one more second. I can't mm-hmm. deal with one more thing. I, I mean, I've got three teenagers, Denny, you know, like right. we need to be able to have a little bit of a break. Um, but I think that community in particular is is ripe with people. But But if we're going to be honest with the statistics that we know, literally every group of people that you're involved with, there are people that are dealing with mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And I think getting rid of that stigma is is the key to all of it, Um, both from how we we view it. Like if if somebody is has been in a mental health institute, we look at that or institution. We look at that as so shameful as opposed to if they went in for an angiogram, we're bringing them casseroles. Mm -hmm. So how do we. How do we make that? I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to a mental health hospital. I have. I mean, the people that are there are just like us. They are, you know, neurosurgeons and teachers and um, YouTubers and runners. And it it is no respecter of persons. And if Mm -hmm. the recent news doesn't tell us anything, it tells us that. Right. It and it has nothing to do with being happy or being sad. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I think getting rid of the stigma. That's the whole thing. Um, I am a very happy person. I also suffer from clinical depression. So those two things are not in any way not conducive. Um, or not, what's the word that I want? They, they exist at the same time, I right. guess is what I'm going to say. Right, right. Um, yeah, and, and I, I love what you're doing and, and, and how you're able to to be so open and honest. And, and I feel like, you know, nine times out of ten, that's the easiest way to get past people's defenses is to be like, hey, I'm I'm not that different from you. Like, like we're, we're, we're in the same, the same boat here. Um, and, and, you know, able to, to hopefully make a difference and, and, and yeah, I mean, you, you, one person, you never know where that leads and how many other lives are, are affected and, and impacted. And clearly you're, you're, uh, you're doing that. So, so, uh, obviously wish you nothing but, uh, the best on that and continue to, to grow it, continue to do it, continue to, to save, you know, not maybe save, but, but certainly help people that, that are struggling. Um, but uh, before we, we officially wrap up, though, I, I, I want to maybe end on a little bit happier, uh, <laughs> happier note and, and talk about Disney a little bit. Like, like I mean, we've, we've hinted at it here and there. It's, it's something that you enjoy doing. You run the races. What, what is it about the House of Mouse that, uh, that gets you so excited? Yeah, so um, a lot of it goes back to my childhood. I grew up in Southern California, and uh, Denny just got really nervous because it's like when someone, whenever someone says it goes back to my childhood, you're like, how long is she going to talk? I'm sorry. That's all right. It's all right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, uh, I grew up in Southern California. So a lot of my early memories with my family were in a Disney theme park. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we first got married, 
we go to like real nature. And I was always saying, oh, this is just like Tom Sawyer Island. And my <laughs> husband would just roll his eyes. He's like, oh my gosh, are you serious right now? So that has gotten better over the years. But um, honestly, I think uh, when we first started going, it was just, it was a known entity. I could go there with my family on vacation. I knew we were going to get great customer service. I knew there was going to be plenty for everybody to do. There, the food was going to be there. And, you know, when you've got three kids and, you know, I, my twins were born when my oldest was three. So that's a, we're a force to be reckoned with. So to have a place to go on vacation where I felt like we were all going to be happy, that's sort of how it started. Um, and then it just became this place that it, I always say Disney is our lake house. You know, it's this place where you just feel comfortable and I show up knowing what to expect and I always know what to pack. And it's not that we don't do other vacations. Um, my kids are world travelers. In fact, one of my kids is in Belgium right now. One of them just got back from Japan. Um, they have, and I think it's because I took them to Epcot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it, it could be, I don't know. But uh, I, before he left, I was like, now this is, you're going to France as well. And this is real France. This isn't Epcot <laughs> this isn't, France. Yeah. You've got to watch your back. Like you've got to pay attention to what you're doing. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to see the whole place in, in 10 minutes and, and beyond to the next country. Like, yeah, no, no, it's not going to, it's not going to work that way at all. But um, don't try to swipe your magic band when you right. get to the Eiffel Tower. But the, um, I think as a place where, and this is going to sound so corny, um, as Americans, when we're there with our kids, it's kind of this leveling field. Like we're all there together, right? Like you're in line and you're chatting with people and you're there because you want to give your kids a good experience and you want time with your family. And I don't know um, what else we do that could make us feel more connected to each other. So there's also that piece, right? You do just feel connected to other families, other parents, other individuals. And then now I've got my social world of Disney, which is like all these new friends, people I met at run Disney races. I mean, you know, marathon weekend is like old home week, yeah. you know, it's like <laughs> all these people that we only see their Twitter handle all year. And then we see a marathon weekend and you might meet someone that you've never even seen their face and you give them a huge hug like you've known them your whole life because we've connected over training and talking Disney and talking logistics and all that. So kind of all that together. I'm headed to Disneyland Paris to run the half marathon in September, which um, I was chatting. I've already made plans to go into Paris with some perfect strangers, which why wouldn't one do that? You know, definitely <laughs> always, uh, you know, go make international plans to go to Paris with perfect strangers that you met on the internet. That's yes. That's, that's <laughs> rules to live by, according to uh, Miss Jen LaForge, right there no, for everybody. They're all, they're all, but see, we do this, right, Denny? Like if you're a runner, I immediately trust you. Like right. whether I should or not is a whole nother story. But <laughs> if, if you, um, and I know you're a runner, right? Cause I see you doing your training plans or whatever. That's a good person. Like I am going to go ahead and judge you in a positive way that, that I can trust you. So anyway, it's a, uh, it's just become part of my story and I couldn't really say why, but I don't have any regrets because it's, it adds a lot of magic to our lives and I'm thankful for that. Gotcha. Gotcha. As we're, uh, Wrapping up, uh, I'll, we'll stay in the Disney realm for the philosophical question today, which means this is the uh, the first time this question has been asked. So no no pressure there, but uh, um, and and probably not an, an easy question, but uh, that's that's okay. It's it's my show. I'll ask the hard questions when I'm when I want to. Um, when it comes to run Disney races, I know you've you've done a few. Um, obviously, you're getting ready to go do one overseas. Uh, what uh, what 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 keeps bringing you back? Because I know there's some people that you know they'll run the, they're open to running any race but they run it once and I, I want there's 
no shortage of other races out there. Like, let, let me go run something different. And then, like you said, there's those people that every marathon weekend, like they're back in town or every, you know, I was, I was every wine and dine for a while until they still run Disney screwed that all up by making it a, a morning race. And I said, all right, well, forget it. I, I, I will not play your game and run your morning race. Um, but, uh, but what keeps you coming back to, to run the, the Disney races? What, what do you, what do you like most about those events? Well, I mean, obviously uh, they're very well run. I mean, we they've had their years, but for the most part, you can't ask for a better run situation. Um, I never have to worry in a Disney race that there's, they're going to run out of water. You know, I never have to worry that um, I'm going to get lost, right. <laughs> you know, or that the trail's not going to be well marked. Um, I don't worry about my safety, honestly, at a Disney race. I think that they have so many great people out on the course. You know, I've run other races that, um, that I would say... <sighs> Cause let's be honest, the courses are not that great. I right. mean, as far as elevation and all of that nonsense, the weather is, is 90% of the time is horrific. You know, it's either <laughs> freezing cold or boiling hot or 90% humidity or whatever. Mm. Um, but I think it's, well, I, I know why the number one thing is it draws so many first time mm. racers and I am a junkie for first time particularly half marathon or full marathons, uh, marathoners, I am drawn to them. Like I can't even tell you because you can see it in their eyes. Right. And you know how nervous they are and you know that, that they didn't sleep the night before and they don't know how they're going to perform and they don't know if they're going to finish. And I can turn to my right or my left in my corral at a Disney race and see that person. Mm -hmm. And, and I am this weirdo that I find a great deal of joy in encouraging those people that it's their first time. So kind of like Winnie the Pooh, right? The run Disney races are round and approachable. Like they <laughs> they're not, they're not the fastest. They're not the best weather. They're not any of those things, but they're comfortable and they're so approachable and it's, it's a happy effort. Everybody goes out on that course and, and, you know, there's always exceptions to every role, but you know, 90% of the people that are out there, um, I, I had a girl pass me, uh, during the half, what was the last half marathon I ran out there? Oh, star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. And, uh, she made some comment. We had just started and I was warming up and she was stuck back in D poor thing with us. <laughs> and she made some comment. I could walk this fast. And I was like, I, I immediately thought she's not really a run Disney mm -hmm. person. Because number one, anyone that would say that at the beginning of a half marathon loudly so that everyone around you could hear you, you don't know somebody's story. Right. That person could be, could be undergoing chemo right now. And for them, this is that watershed moment. And, and really going back to what we said before, anybody that judges somebody else's pace, you're not a real runner in my book. I don't care if you can run a six minute mile, you are not a real runner to me because we are all in this together. And that's what I feel like the run Disney races really, um, celebrate. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to totally agree. It's, it's, uh, always a good time. And I, I feel like sometimes maybe I get a little bit spoiled because I'm so close. It's just like, ah, right. oh, it's just another, another Disney race or, or, or it's another weekend to not go to Disney because all, everybody from out of fun. town is, is here to, to, <laughs> they're going to run the race and then they're going to be in the park. So it's going to be busy. It's going to be crowded. Like, meh. We'll go, we'll go yeah. next weekend or whatever. Yeah, you're entitled. Go ahead and admit it. You're entitled, Denny. <laughs> a, little, a little spoiled when it comes to my Disney consumption, but it's it's still, no, uh, you know, no better race to go spectate for, for what I can, you know, for a lot of the same reasons you said. A lot of new people, a lot of this is their first race. Uh, they're, they're, they're just living it up. And that's one of the most beautiful things about, about our sport. So, you know, I cheered for the marathon. Um, I've done that. This was my third year to do it, to run the half marathon mm -hmm. weekend and then cheer for the marathon. I just stand there and weep 
for, yeah. for five hours and watch people go by and the determination, especially the ones that it's taking them six and a half mm-hmm. hours to finish. I stand there and try to just give them specific. I, I like to stand right by the boardwalk because right that last section sometimes feels as long as the yeah. entire rest of the race put together. And if I can look them in the eyes and especially if I can read their name and I can say, you are going to be a marathoner. You've got this. You are going to be a marathoner. And I have watched people like visibly start crying in a good way because they realize the enormity of what they're doing. I mean, come on, I could do that all day long, all day long. And now you can do it and make videos of it and everybody wins. Right. Win-win. I love it. Uh, all right guys, well, we will have to wrap this thing up at some point. So I might as well do it now since we've, we've been going for, uh, the, the pretty much the full length of, of time, but, uh, jenlaforge.com once again is the website home base. All of the things are there on the Twitter, on the Instagram at Jen LaForge. YouTube search for Jen LaForge and you'll find, uh, all the videos and, and watch her, you know, add, add to her subscriber count, click like, and subscribe. That's, that's the YouTube thing, right? Like, like, and subscribe, uh, yep. and, and keep, uh, keep her moving on up the charts and maybe making her want to keep doing this thing for, uh, Ad, ad infinitum. Uh, Dizruns.com slash 596 is the link to the show notes. We'll have everything linked up as per usual. Jen, thanks for uh, taking the time. This was, this was a lot of fun. Certainly something that uh, I could see us maybe doing again at some point down the road. Maybe even doing it in person when you're in town one of these times. Uh, I'll, yep. I'll, I'll, I'll make I, the trip up. I promise you another sweaty hug next uh, time I see you. Can't wait. But thanks for taking the time. Really <laughs> appreciate it and all the best going forward. All right, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Jen and myself. She's a she's a, a, f- a fun lady and uh, definitely glad we got to to connect and, and chat longer than just 180 slash or 140 slash 280 characters at a time uh, and actually have a, a good little conversation. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed being able to listen in on uh, the things we talked about today. Uh, as always, I'd be curious to know what stood out to you from the conversation. What was something that we talked about that uh, made you stop and think a little bit or scratch your head or, or rewind and listen to it over. For me, the the big takeaway, um, the big reminder really was uh, what she said kind of early in the, in the episode talking about different paces. And, and I believe she said, you know, Kara's, you know, level eight on a scale of eight to 10 for exertion is the same as her level eight on an on a eight to 10. It's pushing, it's going hard. The times may not be the same. The pace may not be the same, but the level of effort for any of us to run at an eight or a four or a 10 or whatever is, is the same. It's, it's, it's working hard. It's pushing ourselves. And, um, I highlight that and it resonated so strongly with me because, you know, as, as a coach and, and just as, as a runner myself, my focus is always on those easy runs and keeping the easy runs easy. And it's, it's easy (laughs) play on words there a little bit, not, not intended, but it's, it's easy to look at what other people are doing and assuming that that's where you should be as far as their easy run. So you, you read some of the articles in, in Runner's World about the elites, and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, the, the Kara Goucher or, or um, whoever, Meb, Shalane, um, it, it doesn't matter. The, the, the pros, oh, their easy runs are, you know, at a, a seven-minute pace. Well, or eight-minute pace or 6.30 pace, whatever it is, don't forget that, the, that that's easy for them. That might be a level four on their, on their scale of, of one to ten. If your level four on a scale of one to 10 is seven minutes or eight minute pace, then that qualifies as easy for you. But if it doesn't, which I'm going to assume that for most of you, if you're running at seven minute pace, it certainly includes me as well, working pretty hard, certainly working, you know, seven, eight, something like that, nine, maybe even 10 out of 10 to get to seven minute pace. 
Well, at that point, it's no longer easy. So you got to go with what's relative, what's relative to you. It's a sliding scale, but easy is, is easy. You know, level four out of 10 is a four out of 10, no matter how fast or slow that might be. It should be easy. It should be comfortable. And when, when Jen was talking about that, it just really stuck out to me. It was just like, oh yes, preach girl, preach. Uh, because it is so important to, to respect your bodies and to, you know, it's okay to see what other people are doing and be inspired and be motivated, but we've got to, you know, grade on the curve a little bit and, and put ourselves in the right perspective and, and our training in the right perspective and ultimately do what's best for each of us individually. Um, but when it comes to comparing times, don't compare times, compare effort levels, compare effort levels. If you're working hard, you're working hard. If you're working easy, you're working easy. Um, and that was my takeaway. That was what stood out to me. Uh, there were other things, but that was, that was the big one. Uh, but I'm curious to know what stood out to you. What was something that we talked about that really, uh, really struck, struck a chord with you? Let me know. Shoot me a tweet at disruns. Shoot me an email. Disruns at gmail.com. And of course you can head over to the show notes for this episode and, uh, leave your comments and feedbacks and takeaways there. Disruns.com slash five, nine, six is the link for the show notes for this episode. We'll have everything linked up obviously as well to get to, to Jen and, and uh, what she's got going on, her YouTube channel, all that good stuff. Get in line. Uh, Join, join the join the movement of, uh, of subscribing to Jen's YouTube channel because it's, it's growing like crazy, uh, which is which is really cool to see. So uh, with that, we'll go ahead and, and wrap this thing up, put a bow on it for today. Once again, be ready on raceday.com is the, is the link for the book uh, to, to the website. You get sa- sample chapters, kind of get a little bit of, of, of more idea of what the book is about, see if it might be the right thing for you. Uh, and if so, check it out. And if you've already gotten the book, which I know a lot of you have, We'd love to know how it's going for you, what you thought, what your thoughts are. Uh, and of course, you can always uh, help a brother out by leaving a review on Amazon. That, that means a lot as well. So, um, and, But that's, that's a, 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 maybe a, a quote-unquote sponsor for another day. For now, just check out the book, BeReadyOnRaceDay.com. So with that, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap this thing up officially for today. Uh, crossing over the, uh, the hour mark a little bit. It happens. You know, whatever. It's all good. But uh, I hope you enjoyed this one. I, I know I did. And uh, certainly looking forward to uh, staying in touch with Jen and maybe bringing her back sooner rather than later for a round two. But uh, until then, be well, take good care, happy running, get your miles in, be safe out there, and uh, can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care, guys.